guys know, but Adam claims that he's her godfather. So I don't know if that's true or not, but he's telling everyone uh, that that's the case. So just thought I'd give you a heads up. So um, Harrison and Callie are both doctors, just finishing their residency. Harrison in um, psychiatry, uh, Callie in dermatology. They're going to St. Louis for a year. Uh, Callie is doing a specialty in Mohs surgery, which she's taught me all about. Uh, I didn't know what it was. Um, I didn't even know how to spell it before. So uh, anyway, John, you know Mohs surgery, right? You just had that half your ear taken off. Um, but anyway, it's true. That's not, it's not untrue. Uh, anyway, we, we bless them and hope they'll come back in a year. So we're looking forward to that. Hey, welcome everyone. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are starting a series today. Uh, entitled Passionate Pursuit on um, the Gifts of the Spirit. On Tuesday of this past week, Kathy was sitting in our, um, our living room and she's looking out over our driveway. She's looking at a specific pine tree and said, hey, that pine tree doesn't look that great to me. Do you think it's going to fall? And I say to her, you know, that pine tree has always looked like that. It's never, it's always looked pretty much like that. I said, it's going to fall someday, but it's not going to be today. Tuesday afternoon, I'm sitting there, and I hear this crashing sound, and uh, sure enough, a pine tree, you know, the rain. I am not prophetic, not my gift uh, to prophesy what's going to happen in the days ahead. Maybe yours, um, but the indication here to me is that we need each other. The body of Christ needs the various gifts that God bestows on his children, us, the body of Christ, in order that the body of Christ can be built up. Now, this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce the topic of spiritual gifts. Then next weekend, Ken Fish is going to be here, and he's going to teach us and demonstrate for us uh, some of the spiritual gifts that we need to walk in, uh, gifts of healing, gifts of um, deliverance, uh, all of which we still believe in here at Fullness because we believe all the gifts of the Spirit are still available today and that we should walk in them for the building up of the body of Christ. So Ken's going to be here, and then after he leaves, I'm going to try and sort it out um, a little bit. I know that we have a lot of new people who've come to our church over the last a couple of years since COVID particularly. And so I want to do an entire series through the summer on spiritual gifts. Now, some of you who are longtime Fullness members know that I've taught on this topic before, but we, I think we need a reminder. We need a, a, just a refresher for those who've heard it before. And for those who haven't, I think it will be, it will kind of give you our theology about how spiritual gifts operate. Um, one of the things that I'm convinced about in church life after all these years is that a large segment of the church is afraid of the entire topic of spiritual gifts. Um, things that um, we're going to talk about in spiritual gifts have been abused in certain settings. Uh, people have been hurt by the use of spiritual gifts in their lives. Um, there have been times when certain segments of the church have claimed that certain spiritual gifts are no longer in operation today. 
Others believe they're in operation. They just don't want to have anything to do with them. Uh, so um, they, they believe, you know, if God wants to, to work in that, he's gonna, he can do it, but he's not going to do it through me. And so there, there's just this general misunderstanding about spiritual gifts. And I'm hoping that we can get to a healthy place where we receive and we walk in in, in a way that will build up the body of Christ because that's why they're given. In uh, Corinthians, it says this. 1 Corinthians uh, 14.1, as a matter of fact, says this. Follow the way of love. By the way, I, if I preach all of 12, 13, and 14, we're going to be here all day, uh, which fine with me. I got nothing else to do. Um, I was going to watch golf this afternoon, but other than that, I got no big plans. But um, 12, 13, and 14 kind of flow together. You all know 1 Corinthians 13. Um, you know the, the chapter on love. And Paul sandwiches this chapter uh, on love in between two discussions about spiritual gifts and the body of Christ. And so coming out of chapter 13, and by the way, yes, I told you to move to chapter 12. I'm going there. But in 14.1, coming out of his discussion about love, he says this, follow the way of love and what? Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. One way to put that is to passionately pursue spiritual gifts. Passionately pursue. So spiritual gifts, the way I see it, that Paul is discussing it in 12, 13, and 14, in 14, he's, he's not saying, I, you know, spiritual gifts, they're just okay. Don't worry about them. If they happen, they happen, but don't worry about them. He is actually saying, passionately pursue spiritual gifts. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about um, some misunderstandings about spiritual gifts. And one of the things that is communicated in certain segments of the church is, Yes, I believe, but I'm going to be cautious about spiritual gifts. I believe, but I'm cautious. And I understand because of the woundings and misuse of spiritual gifts, but this is not what the Bible says. Paul says, passionately pursue spiritual gifts. Go after them. Ask God to bestow them in your life. And we're going to look at what this means in the in the many weeks ahead. But I just want to throw that out there to you as we look at this topic, that it is not something we can just put on the back burner and ignore. Instead, Paul is encouraging us for a specific reason to pursue spiritual gifts. And we'll look at what that is today and in the weeks ahead. So whatever discomfort you have with spiritual gifts, whatever, like, if it makes you cringe or you get this kind of, like, thing going up your spine whenever we talk about spiritual gifts, I'm praying that you get it. I thought that was cute, kind of like Reed talking about checks this morning. Uh, but the point being this. Listen, there is a certain aspect about Christianity as a whole that is uncomfortable. The cross, it's foolishness to a certain group, it's stupidity to another group, it's a shame to another group. There's a certain thing about Christianity that we become comfortable with because it's a part of our society. But if you think about God coming to earth and dying for your sins and my sins 
on an instrument of torture, the cross, then there's a certain discomfort that should happen. So there's a certain uncomfortability about the whole topic of Christianity, including spiritual gifts. And we as Christians have to come to a point to say, whatever God wants. He is God. He's the creator. I'm going to passionately pursue his plans, his purposes for my life. And if indeed he is the father of light and all good and perfect gifts come from him, then I'm going to pursue the gifts that he wants to give me. I'm going to pursue those in a way that glorifies his name. So back to chapter 12. I want to read the first part of this chapter to you and then just take it apart just for a moment this morning. And for those of you come to fullness, you know that means nothing when I say just a moment. Uh, but uh, we'll look at it together. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were, when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of languages, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the one, work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. All right, let's take this passage apart. Uh, I'm going to teach more than preach this morning. I want to just teach a little bit about uh, this intro to spiritual gifts. And with the idea that every single one of you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been filled with the Spirit, you have a spiritual gift. The question is not whether you have a gift or not, because you do. The question is, what are you doing with that gift? Are you using that gift? Is that gift unwrapped? And I want to encourage you today to contemplate unwrapping your spiritual gifting. And hopefully this will introduce you to this topic as we follow it next weekend and into the weeks ahead. So first point is this. Be informed about the gifts, the tools you have been given. Verse 1 says this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> this passage cracks me up, really. If you think about it, what is Paul saying? He's saying to the church in Corinth, you're ignorant. On this topic, you're, you're ill-informed, you're uninformed, you're ignorant. Now, why is Paul saying that? He's saying that because, without going into all the details, the church in Corinth was displaying their ignorance to everybody around when it came to spiritual gifts. 
This church was so out of whack in so many different areas that Paul has already spent basically 11 chapters trying to take apart some of the dysfunction of this church. And one of the dysfunctions of this church had to do with spiritual gifts. And one of the ways they were dysfunctional was they were evidently saying that the gift of tongues was the most important gift. So for those of us from the Pentecostal charismatic background, the whole tongues issue being elevated is not new. It happened in Corinth. And Paul is saying to them, all the gifts of the Spirit are important. All of them are a big deal. And you're elevating one, and how it's working is basically ignorant. I want you not to be ignorant about this topic. And if you, quit, if you wonder how the flow is going to go, I'm just going to kind of throw it out there a little bit. Paul is saying, listen, you're elevating tongues. That's your favorite gift. My favorite gift is prophecy. I like prophecy. He even basically says that by the end of the chapter, saying, because of these reasons, I like the gift of prophecy more than tongues. Their idea was evidently that tongues was the language of the angels, um, that they were speaking an angelic language when they spoke in tongues. Hence, in chapter 13, when he comes back and says, even if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and don't have love, what is that? I'm just a clanging gong. So he's going he's gonna to tie it together with the whole topic of spiritual gift, but in the context of love. But one of the things he's basically saying to them is, be informed about spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Why are they given? What is their purpose? Um, John MacArthur, who I probably couldn't, I, I probably can't disagree more with one guy about spiritual gifts than John MacArthur. Uh, I, I respect him. He's a great teacher, um, but we, we differ on our view of spiritual gifts. But even he says this, no local congregation will be what it should be, what Jesus prayed that it should be, what the Holy Spirit gifted it, empowered it to be, until he understands spiritual gifts. And I agree with that statement. Uh, another author, Bruce Bugby, says this, Spiritual gifts are divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design, not ours, and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. It's kind of a, a little more technical definition. I like the way he words it, but it, it, here, it's given by God to every believer for the building up of the body of Christ, for the common for the common good. Now, just to let you know, there, there are some differences between spiritual gifts and, for instance, natural abilities. Dave and I, again, we were talking about this uh, the other day. Is, is music a talent or is it a spiritual gift? Can be. Um, can be. A little quick on the trigger there, Jonathan. But um, yeah, it, it can be. In other words, music in and of itself the gift of music, the talent of music, can be a spiritual gift if used for the building up of the body of Christ and empowered by the Spirit of God, or it can merely be a talent. So when you talk about talents and abilities, you could be talking about, for instance, uh, there are many talented and gifted teachers in the world who are not using the teaching ability they have for the building up of the body of Christ. There's a difference between the spiritual gift of teaching and the natural ability or talent or skill of teaching. There's also a difference between 
um, spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. This is Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is a characteristic that every believer should have who's filled with the Spirit. In other words, um, John Kerry should have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I'll, he does. Let's go with that, all right? Um, and I should also have that same fruit, and Cindy James should have that same fruit. Wendy Kuhn should have that same fruit. We all have the same fruit because it's part of the characteristic of being filled with the Spirit. But John's spiritual gift, my spiritual gift, Cindy's spiritual gift, Wendy's spiritual gift will all probably be different, all with the purpose of building up the body, the body of Christ. So there's a, there's a difference between spiritual gifts. There are different categories of um, spiritual gifts. There, uh, for instance, if you take 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4, those are the three primary places where spiritual gifts are listed in the New Testament. If you put them all together and pulled out all the different gifts, you'd end up with about 20 different spiritual gifts. And people over the years have tried to put them into categories and types. And for instance, uh, Chuck Swindoll says that he talks about speaking gifts, words of wisdom, prophecy, evangelism, pastor, teacher, uh, teaching versus service gifts, administration, exhortation, faith, giving, help, serving, mercy, and sign gifts, distinguishing of spirits, miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation. By the way, Chuck, uh, he's like me, he loves those alliterations, those speaking gifts, sign gifts, service gifts. Um, it's helpful, but not. It's helpful in the sense of trying to get an idea of what kind of different things spiritual gifts do, but it's, it's manufactured. Uh, Paul doesn't really differentiate in the same way that we do. Um, Paul just lists spiritual gifts. And what does he compare these spiritual gifts to? He compares these spiritual gifts to individual body parts. He, he, he says... They're used for the building up of the body of Christ. And he's going to come back and say, talk about a hand and a foot and a nose and um, talk about all the different body parts. So one of the big questions that people have over the years is, is this all the gifts of the Spirit? Are all the gifts of the Spirit that are possible listed in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and a passage in 1 Peter? Uh, I would say no. I would say they're um, descriptive, not prescriptive. In other words, I, I would say that just as he doesn't list every single part of the body, eye, ears, nose, you know, everything else, he's not listing every single gift. He's giving examples of gifts of the Spirit that God pours out. Now, there are people who disagree with me probably on everything I've said up until this point uh, in, in the church. That's fine. We need the body of Christ, right? We're different. We have different gifts and different ideas. But 
I, I, I believe that God will gift you as he desires. And we're going to look at the gifts that are listed in the Bible, but understand that there might be others as well. So for instance, music we talked about. Um, Jonathan was quick to say yes uh, to music. Music is nowhere listed as one of the spiritual gifts. Uh, it, it, and there are others that are that you're like, is that really a spiritual gift? So for instance, some people list the gift of martyrdom as a spiritual gift. I'm like, you know, that's like a one-time use gift, isn't it? You know, I, I don't know how I'm going to count. Yeah, I've got the gift of martyrdom. Good luck with that one. I don't know how far you're going to go, but um, there are different gifts in uh, the body of Christ. So be informed about what you've been given. How, how do you do that? How do you get informed? Something like this, but also praying that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of wisdom, would lead and guide you into all truth concerning your spiritual giftedness. You can also pray, by the way, for a gift. It's fine. Paul says, seek after, eagerly desire, pray for a gift to be given to you. That's, that's fine. That's fine as well. But here's the kicker. Who gives the gift? God gives the gift. And what if he says, no. I mean, it could happen, right? He could say no to your desire to have a spiritual gift, but pray for it anyway. Seek after it. Desire it. All right, here we go. Point two is this. Be impacted by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who is the key to the whole operation of spiritual gifts. Here's what Paul says. I'm back in 1 Corinthians 12. This is verses 2 and following. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So here's Paul's argument here. Before you were saved, you were influenced, directed by, empowered by what? Hello? You can talk to me. It's all right. Idols, pagan stuff, influence you. Basically demonic. The flesh and the devil were your two major influences in your life. Now, however, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and the very presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit indwells you, you're to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Be impacted by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be anointed in the Holy Spirit. Whatever phrase you want to use, the presence of God miraculously indwells you. Now, here's, here's Paul's point, I think. Paul's point is this. As followers of Jesus Christ, there's no question who should be the influence in our lives. But is he? Are you being led by influenced by, impacted by the Holy Spirit. And this is where I think your personal will has a part to play in the kingdom of God and the direction of the kingdom of God. What are the influences in your life? And It would not be hurtful to write these down at some point, to just take a moment and say, where are the greatest influences that are impacting the direction of my life? Um, let me just say this too, and I, I'm, not a, I'm not a cultural warrior. I'm not going after uh, Facebook or TikTok or whatever. I, 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 
it's just not my calling in life. My calling is not to go against, but my calling is to call you to. Do you understand? My, my calling in life is to say, follow God. Follow by the Spirit of God. Not to rail against uh, the demonic rock and roll music. That was my, that was my upbringing. Um, you know, rock and roll, dancing, anything established that way. That was things we went against. But my calling instead is to say, be impacted. If you're saying Jesus is Lord. You can't say Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit. Now be influenced by, directed by, follow the path of the Spirit of God. But I can also say, just in my little bit of railing against, if all your time is spent watching TikTok, Facebook, social media, news organizations, Fox News, CNN, just go right down the list. If that's where all your time is spent, where is the influence in your life going to direct your thoughts, your mind, your emotions? What gets you worked up in the day? Um, the things that will get you worked up are the things you're giving your time to. So I want to encourage you to give your time to, to God and what he's doing. Now, I'm not saying be culturally stupid or illiterate. I think it builds a bridge to the world around us. But at the same time, don't allow those influences to greatly so direct your path that you're out of control. Listen, we'll come back to an election in a year from now. I'll just hold on to that one. But if, if everything in you emotionally boils when you start thinking about the presidential election, maybe, just maybe, you might think about what is influencing my life. If this is what really stirs me emotionally, more than, is my neighbor a follower of Jesus Christ? Are my kids following after Jesus? Are, are, are the things that should matter for all of eternity, those are the things that should stir your heart to the point that you're like, this is what matters. All right. Galatians says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Idea being every moment of every day walking in lockstep with the Spirit of God. Just going on with this other passages, Jesus said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He's not saying be flaky like the He's not saying that. He's saying be influenced by the Spirit of God so that whatever direction God leads you, follow the Spirit of God. Third point. Oh, but I've got four points. For those of you panicking, I don't have 72. I've only got four, so we're, we're getting there. Um, the woman who spoke last week, she had a lot of points too. Um, didn't she do great? Were you all here last week? Yeah. I think I'll let her do it again. So, my wife spoke last week, for those of you who weren't you know. All right, incorporate and embrace diversity. Uh, here's verses four through six. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Hey, by the way, this is a side point, but notice the Trinitarian structure of this passage. Notice that same Spirit, same Lord, Jesus, same God, Father, 
is the one who is distributing these gifts. Now, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit because Paul is going to direct it, but they're all from God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God directs these gifts. And also notice that they're different. I mean, he repeats the word different three times. Different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. All of these ideas are, all of these gifts are, are different. And then he talks about what are these different things. Well, he talks about gifts, which is charisma, charismaton, charismata. That's the Greek word, by the way, and that's kind of the limit of my Greek. Um, I don't have a ton of Greek, but charis is the word grace in Greek. And these gifts that God gives, charisma, charismata, uh, they're gifts of grace. They're not laws. They're not burdens. They're gifts of grace that God has given us. By the way, when you hear someone talk about charismatic, this is where the term comes from. These spiritual gifts uh, are given. They're gifts of they're gifts of grace. Now, here's my contention. Every follower of Jesus Christ is a charismatic. So you don't, you're like, what? Um, in this, these gifts of grace, if they're indeed given to every single person who's filled with the Holy Spirit and a follower of Jesus Christ, they've received this charismata, this gift of grace. Therefore, we're all charismatic. So if someone asks me if I'm charismatic, I say, yeah, absolutely. I'm charismatic. The problem is it means different things to different people when it comes to theology. But these gifts, by the way, at the first, uh, in verse 1, where he talks about, uh, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant, that's actually a different Greek word. Um, it's the, I think it's the Greek word pneumaticon, pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, uh, pneuma uh, means spirit. And he's really saying about not even spiritual gifts, he's saying about spirituals, and I'm not talking about the songs, but about spirituals, I don't want you to be ignorant. And so he's using different words to try and paint a picture of what God has given us by the Spirit. And the idea is this, they're different. Different kinds of service, how we serve each other. Different kinds of working, that it works its way out through us. It's not just something that's given to us, it just sits there. It works its way out through us to touch the body of Christ. In Philippians, he says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Therefore... You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. When I, um, I, sometime in like late elementary school, early middle school, I fell in love with music. Um, I had a certain gift, um, talent, ability to sing. And so I fell in love with music. So I decided to go, I, I wanted to play in the band. Now, uh, I, I don't know how they do seventh grade band stuff nowadays, but basically you just showed up at band and said, I want to be a this or I want to be a that. And so I was a trombone player starting in seventh grade. Um, well, one of the things I learned about band, now how, how many of you, be honest, how many of you are band geeks? How many of you played in band, did band, 
Okay, so for those of you who are in band, you know there's certain hierarchy in band, okay? Some of you are laughing who are in band, and you know, um, the flute players were the girls who thought they were God's gift to everyone. Uh, all the cute girls played flute, and all the manly boys played trumpet. And they were, they were like, now it, it varies. You could be a girl playing trumpet or a boy playing flute, um, but uh, not generally. Um, generally, girls play flute, boys play trumpet. Back in my day, who knows? Um, anyway, because they're the ones that carried the melody most of the time in band, they thought they were the most important band members and I wanted to say, we're all nerds. We're all in band. Uh, that starts right off the bat. You should just dial it down. <laughs> what I learned, though, in playing in band or orchestra or any musical thing is that every single instrument is important. Because once you put all of it together is when the beauty happens. Um, the... the the word in um, that's used, again, I've quoted more Greek than I've ever do, but the, the word for agreement in the New Testament is the word symphoneo, which means to sound together. It's the word from which we get the word symphony. Um, and it's the beauty of everything sounding together. There is not one part that's more important than the other. All parts are important. Now, in order for the body of Christ to function as the body of Christ is supposed to function, we need to embrace the fact that we're all gifted and diverse and we need each other. Now, this is going to have ramifications for the days ahead. Not only are you important and needed, it means, people, please listen. This is where I'll start preaching just a little bit. It means that if you're not using and unwrapping your spiritual gift, the body of Christ known as fullness will suffer. We're lacking this part. We're lacking this instrument. Why? Because you're saying, I don't want to participate. Paul is calling the body of Christ every spiritual gift to get engaged, to get unwrapped. I can't do church by myself, and neither can you. That's why we need each other. We are, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? So that we can declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We, according to Paul again, we, we're to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. We, here's the point, we need each other. And in order for us to accomplish everything God wants us to accomplish, we have to follow after him. Now, to do that, fourth and final point, you need to identify what is your spiritual giftedness. What God, show me my spiritual gift. We uh, actually have some classes and different things that will, will help you identify your spiritual gift. Now, in the weeks ahead... I'm trying not to preach this whole series on one Sunday morning. Uh, I'm just introduce it. There's a difference between you saying, I want to identify my spiritual gift and me walking in the 
the characteristics that are supposed to be available for every single believer. For instance, one of the spiritual gifts um, that is list, listed, I think Reed is actually preaching on this in a couple of months, is the gift of giving. There are some people who are supernaturally, spiritually gifted to give. But yet, every follower of Jesus Christ is told to be a giver, right? Because God loves a cheerful giver. We're all to give, be givers. And same thing with evangelism. We're all to be sharing our faith, giving it away. Um, sharing with in our sphere of influence what Christ has done. But there are others who are supernaturally gifted for evangelism. So when I say identify your spiritual gift, don't say like, I have the gift of hospitality, which is a gift, and I'm not going to do any of the rest. Because there are certain ones that we're all called to because it's part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. But to each one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If Somewhere in your Bible, you might want to out underline each one. Each one. Who does that leave out? No one. Yeah, if each one has been given, then that leaves out no one. Every single one of us here who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have been given a spiritual gift. For what purpose? For the common good. Your gift is not given. So each one, meaning me, Jonathan, Craig, Molly, everyone has a spiritual gift, right? But it's not for me. My spiritual gift is not for me. My spiritual gift is for you. My spiritual gift has been given to me for you. It's not something I gloat about. It's not something I brag about. It's not something I'm not, I'm not a trumpet player bragging about my trumpet, thinking I am God's gift to the middle school band and North Bethesda Junior High. I'm just a part, and it's given for everybody, for the common good. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, about spirituals, I don't want you to be ignorant. Walk out your spiritual giftedness. How? Let's go through this again. I'm not going to go through it in all, in, but be informed. Be informed about the tools or gifts you've been given. Don't, don't be ignorant. This is part of my goal in this summer series is for us to come on board with this. Be influenced by the constant presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Incorporate and embrace the diversity that the gifts give us as the body of Christ. And each of us identify our areas of giftedness, understanding that they're given for the common good. Here's some questions I wrote down that I just want to focus on just for us to pray about this morning. Are, are you a part of the body of Christ? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, the leader, the forgiver of your sins? Have you, through the mercies of God, offered yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? Are you living the logical, reasonable Christian life? Are you being realistic 
about your spiritual giftedness? Do you know how to function within the body of Christ? And are you willing to give yourself? Not so that this body would grow numerically, but, the, it, it, but so it would grow richer, deeper, freer, more mature, until we all reach maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Lord, I thank you this morning. I pray that our steps will be directed by you. I pray that, God, we would understand that there's nothing worth more than knowing you. There's nothing worth more than walking in your power, in your direction. There's nothing that can satisfy the longings of our heart more than who you are and what you want. Lord, I, I pray that this morning that we, we won't see this as a call to weirdness, but a call to wholeness and a call to holiness and a call to see your purposes accomplished on this earth. Why else are we here? Lord, direct our steps. Give ourselves to you. I pray that that will be your prayer right now, that you will give yourself to the plans and purposes of God, that you'll be so influenced by the Holy Spirit, so directed by Him. You'll no longer be influenced by the ways of the world, but instead by how He directs our steps. Before we leave this morning, let's just stand, let's worship. Make this your prayer this morning before we leave. Before we go back into the world, let's be directed by the Lord.